You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, golf fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the third part of our end of season series reviewing each position group on the club takes us inside the defensive backfield. We'll pick the championship round games this weekend and break down the top 10 takeaways from your Miami Dolphins and this 2022 season. From the Baptist Hill Studios inside the Baptist Hill Training Complex, this is... The drive time. That's another Miami Dolphins. We have done the edge group. We have done the running backs. And now we're moving on to the defensive backs. If you cannot recognize the theme, we're going along with the top 10 videos here. Takeaways, defensive backs seems to make sense. And we start with the team accomplishments and rankings here of the Dolphins defensive backfield. And the ball production was just not there this year. Seven picks for the DBs, 50 PBUs or passes defense, which includes uh, interceptions as well. Five fumbles forced and two recovered. Just not a lot. Uh, 27th in passing defense, and we talked about the injuries a whole heck of a lot. That was kind of the, the main theme, the main takeaway from this group. But all things considered, they did come up with some big plays and some big moments. The three INTs versus the Steelers, uh, two in the fourth quarter with them driving to win the game. Uh, Fourth quarter shutout in Detroit, holding the Bears on those final two possessions, putting points on the board versus Houston with Rowe and X, and again versus Buffalo. Rowe again, this time with Zach Sealer. We saw them hold the last three opponents, even the Bills in the playoffs, to make it four, despite some short fields and long returns and turnovers on offense and unsustained drives on offense. And a lot of those games, I think we saw them get better late. And again, despite everything, helped keep Miami in a lot of those games with some big plays and some big spots. But obviously, we know that there was a lot more to the story than just that. Um, third down defense was an issue all year. The off coverage against, you know, third and medium, third and short press coverage and leaving all kinds of droves of green grass down the field for this gauntlet of quarterbacks the Dolphins played this year to you know, make the blitz miss, to make the rush miss, and then take advantage of a banged-up secondary and inexperience and guys that, frankly, just weren't brought here to play the cornerback position being put in those positions and uh, going up against the league's best. Those are the matchups that coaches try to identify week in and week out on the offensive side of the ball. Who's my rabbit? Who am I going after this week? And for Miami this year... It was just consistent that they had multiple guys in those positions. The games where you didn't have Xavier and Howard, for instance, gosh, it was tough to get stops, wasn't it? Um, And we saw it last year in the games without Xavier and Byron Jones. It was incredibly tough to get off the field. Like that Jacksonville game, for instance. Miami wins that game if they have their top two corners. But it's been a problem now for the last couple of years because of availability. And this year, we saw X have statistically one of the worst seasons in the NFL for a cornerback, which he'll tell you from the he'll be the first one to tell you it wasn't up to his standard. So this group, 
I think you can expect a lot of improvement inherently. I think getting Brandon Jones back is going to be massively important for this defense. I think that he was probably the biggest loss that we didn't talk about ad nauseum and the way you talked about Byron Jones. I think it was almost on that same level of playing field in terms of Byron Jones and Xavier Howard shut down cornerback ability on the perimeters, how this defense was built and constructed. And I think ultimately why you have a change there at the defensive coordinator position. Talk about that here in just a second. But also Brandon Jones's impact in terms of the interchangeability from the two safeties that we saw frequently, your big nickel packages and the ability to be interchangeable. Go back and watch the opening day Patriots game. The, the first drive of the game, you see the Patriots shift in motion and pre-snap stuff. And, and uh, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones like swapped their roles. I think once you lost Brandon Jones, you lost the ability to do that. Javon Holland became pretty much a middle-of-the-field post-safety and it took away opportunities for him to make plays. And I think that if you can get better interchangeability back in that position, better communication and flexibility, which I think we saw in those final games down the stretch to improve the defense in general, but I thought that losing Brandon Jones and that middle stretch and the difficulty of overcoming that, to me, was just as big as the Byron Jones loss because it, it took away your best playmaker, in my opinion, in Javon Holland. And, um, you know, there are five free agents here to start the year before we get to the new league year in this group, Eric Rowe, Elijah Campbell, Clayton Fedulum at safety, and then Nick Needham and Justin Bethel at cornerback. And I want to look at the individuals here real quick, but just to go back to that point about the defensive coordinator position and the primary man principles, press man, you know, mirror, don't, don't actually put hands on the, on the receiver and blitz like crazy and try to create pressure with good tight coverage to force tight window throws and get off the field with checkdowns, incompletions, play beyond the sticks. And we just didn't see it happen enough on third down. This defense got to third down plenty, but was bad on third down. So how do you improve that? I think it's very clear as you see the personnel of the team shift towards the strength being on the front of the line of scrimmage. Jalen Phillips, for my money, is one of the top 10 pass rushers off the edge already. I think he's going to have a massive, massive season where you see those pressures convert to sacks next year, and he was as impactful in the run and against the pass as anybody in the NFL at that position all year long. I think that Bradley Chubb will be much better, and his impact was, you know, wasn't in the same way that Phillips. It wasn't there in the numbers, but his impact was definitely um, tangible with the way he sped up opposing passing games and we know what he can do especially in a defense that will you know allow him to play you know four-man pressures and and better coverage in the back end that creates more opportunities for redirect and and you know moves back to the inside to to get further pressure on the quarterback because he has to hold the ball longer opposed to just pumping that thing out in 2.3 2.4 2.5 seconds every time Miami got quarterbacks to 2.6 2.7 they were getting sacks and pressures and interceptions and you know impacting the passing game that way to me that falls largely on the cornerback position and we also see the candidates the Dolphins are looking at right now that have been reported with Vic Fangio with Sean Desai with um freaking Chris Richard, almost said Richard Jenkins for some reason, and then Anthony Campanelli in-house. Those top three guys are all part of, you know, it's not necessarily the quarter half, quarter, quarter half, cover six type defense you get, but it's zone principles, four-man pressures and play coverage and, and kind of be disguising in your shells and your coverage and, and rely upon four guys up front to create pressure. We talked about Phillips and Chubb. You know, I, I would bring back Melvin Ingram. We talked about that earlier this week. Um, We'll see about Emmanuel Ogbaugh's return, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer. Like, there are some dudes up front 
that will allow you to play that system. And then I talked about it earlier this week as well, the back end and the zone principles that I think would benefit a player like Xavier Howard, who just has such ball hawking instincts, a Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, for that matter. I think that transition makes tons of sense. You see a theme there among those guys. Miami blitzed like 33.7% of the time last year. All of these coordinators they're high, they're interviewing have a blitz history of like 17, 15%. So less pressure packages, rely upon your front four and play better coverage and put the guys in better position to play better coverage because it was a lot to ask for. We saw Richard Sherman talk about the difficulties of this defense for a cornerback playing on the perimeter. If you can make that job easier, I think you can get better production because of what you have in your front four rushing. So that's my issue with what the defense was this year and why I think they were 27th against the pass and terrible on third downs. Now, Let's talk about the individuals here in the cornerbacks. I want to look at a few stats that I think are very telling about players' numbers. Um, we're going to look at coverage snaps and yards allowed. And just to give you a frame of reference here across the NFL, Tyson Campbell for Jacksonville, who I thought was a slot corner, kicked outside this year, allowed just .65 yards per coverage snap this year. That was best in the NFL. So keep that in mind. We talked all year about perimeter cornerbacks having a one even number there is good. 0.65 is elite, obviously. Passer rating against James Bradbury and Philly led the way, 48.4. Snaps per target, which kind of tells you how often guys are just locking down their route, not even being threatened by the opposing quarterback. Patrick Sertan, the second, 9.2 snaps per target. What a player he is. Forced incompletion percentage. When you were targeted, did you force the ball to not be caught? Sauce Gardner was at 27% to lead the, lead the way in that category. And then we'll do ball production, which is self-explanatory. And then run stops, which are tackles uh, in a certain level uh, in terms of how many yards they gain to the yards of the chains. Uh, 40% on first down, so less than four or less yards is a run stop. 60% on second down and third down conversions is how you uh, tally run stops. Legereus Sneed had 42 of those to lead all cornerbacks this year. So number nine in order of jersey number, Noah Igbenogany. He was at 172 coverage snaps and 134 yards allowed. So under one, it's a good number there. I will say watching Igbenogany play is frustrating because there's a, a lack of feel and just uh, understanding of where he is on the field and awareness for route concepts. And that's, I think, where he gets in trouble a lot. I think he is suited to play. Just go cover a man is his best ability. We'll see how this impact or this defensive shift impacts him. Passer rating against this year, 77.1, uh, 6.9 yards or snaps snaps per target. He had a 13% forced incompletion rate, had a pick and three passes defensed and no run stops. But I think those numbers, again, didn't play a whole lot and active lot of the year. Uh, big fourth year for Noah Igbenogany coming up here on his rookie contract. Number 20, Justin Bethel's a free agent, 102 coverage snaps, 107 yards allowed. So pretty even there for a guy that has been almost his entire career exclusive to special teams. I was impressed every time he had to step in and play a role on defense. I thought he did a job. His passer rating allowed was 70.2. His snaps per target was 4.6. He forced incompletions 10% of the time, had a pick and four passes defensed and made two run stops. I would not mind at all bringing him back in a special teams capacity and super, super depth piece because he proved he can be your sixth or seventh cornerback, I think, this year. Xavier Howard, Again, not a good year for him. 704 coverage snaps, 910 yards allowed, a 114.6 passer rating. He was targeted every 7.6 snaps. Did have an incompletion forced rate of 18%, a pick and 12 passes defensed, along with seven run stops. But teams went after him, man. Like he was asked to do a lot. I think Byron Jones not being on the other side required that, like in the playoff game, when he had the field side of the formation, no safety help, and like basically 50 yards of grass to cover against Stephon Diggs. 
Nobody's going to be able to do that. So I don't blame it on him as much as the system, but I think that putting him more in a zone-based, eyes-in-the-quarterback type of deal will benefit his career You know, going into the 30s, much in the way Patrick Peterson's career has been prolonged by going from man coverage to more primary zone hunt, ball hawk type of style of defense. Keon Crossan played 327 coverage snaps, allowed 293 yards. Obviously, the pass, uh, pass interference calls were the things against him, though, because anytime guys got vertical on him and he got out of phase, he panicked and grabbed them, and that was critical in some big spots, especially against the Patriots. 98.1 passer rating, 8.3 snaps per target, 16% forced incompletion rate. The ball production, four uh, passes defensed. He also made four run stops. I love me some Kater Kohu, man. 630 coverage snaps, 713 yards allowed, obviously on the wrong side of one, but for a rookie playing inside and outside and playing so many damn snaps this year, he was impressive as hell. The passer rating against him was 83.7, 5.2 snaps per target. So he was the guy, teams were like, hey, rookie, undrafted free agent, Texas A&M Commerce, go cover Stephon Diggs, go cover Gabe Davis, go cover, you know, Garrett Wilson, go cover these top of the line you know, college to NFL receivers, 11% forced incompletion rate, the ball production, a pick, a forced fumble, and 10 passes defensed, and he made 28 run stops, which was sixth among all cornerbacks in the NFL. He was a great screen defender all year long. Nick Needham played 181 snaps, allowed 158 yards. That's a good number for him. A 116.1 passer rating. He was only targeted every 10.9 snaps and a 25% incompletion rate. That's good ball production there. Two passes defensed and six run stops. To me, Needham is the perfect number four corner that he can plug in at any of the three spots. If Once I lose a cornerback, put Needham there. X, field side of the formation, slot, put him wherever you want. I would love him in that role. Curiously, the contract he gets from us or someone else this offseason. And then your DNPs, Byron Jones didn't play all year, neither did Trill Williams, and Tino Ellis is here on a futures contract. Free agents at this position, I think you can pretty safely say the tight end and cornerback positions were the main reasons that 9-9 nine and nine happened, quarterback injuries aside. Uh, injuries were the biggest culprit at corner. I could see a world where X, Cater, Nick, and Trill are your one through four corners next year. And maybe with a re-envisioned scheme, that could be enough. I, I don't know. We'll see. This is an expensive position to upgrade. Getting out of the Jones contract would come with a penalty, but also free up some money if they choose to do that on June 1st. Curious to see what that looks like because that was a contentious situation all year long. Top of the market offers guys that have excelled taking the football away, playing zone, and even defenses similar to what it appears Miami are going after. James Bradbury atop that list. I wonder if the Eagles can fit him into their plans with all the guys they have to pay. I think maybe not especially with Darius Slay there and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Marcus Peters and Kyle Fuller from the Ravens are both free agents. Peters is one of the best all-time at camping and zones and keying quarterbacks to make splash plays. Patrick Peterson, mentioned him earlier, had a career resurgence doing just that from man to more zone principles. Also played under Ed Donatel last year, which could be a one-year stopgap solution here for Miami if he comes along uh, with a potential hire here for the Dolphins. There are names all up and down. Any interest in gambling on someone like Jason Verrett after another injury? Because that's like your bargain level buy on a guy that could be a high, you know, low risk, high reward. How about his teammate, Emmanuel Mosley? Uh, Jamil Dean is out there if you want another physical man corner with length, but he's also played under Todd Bull. So that's some zone concepts there as well. He intrigues me. Uh, 
Greedy Williams wasn't a huge fan of him as a prospect, but he would be a system fit provided we go in that direction. Sean Murphy bunting from Tampa, another guy like Cameron Sutton, Jonathan Jones, Fabian Moreau, Anthony Brown. Lots of names out there, guys. I think a lot of these contracts from 2020 are starting to kind of come true, these short-term deals. And you have all kinds of UFAs this offseason. Uh, two names per tier. Your top uh, premium resource investment to be to me would be James Bradbury or Marcus Peters are my preferences there. My mid-range investments would be uh, Patrick Peterson and Greedy Williams. Although if you have Pat P and Xavier Howard on the perimeter, you are asking to get beat vertically. Uh, it's a dangerous game. My bargain bin buys would be Rocky Sin. I don't know if it's going to be a bargain on him and Jason Verrett because of the injuries. Got to see what happens with our own. X, I think, should be here. Cater for sure will be here. I tend to think Nick will be too. Probably not 24. I, I don't know. We'll see about that. Intrigued as hell by Trill Williams, but I think you need another solid vet and probably another draft pick to go along with that. You cannot afford the attrition that you had this year to play the role it did in your record and put special teams aces into the game for long stretches of play in the draft. It's a, a great year for depth. I think you can say so long to four or five guys that will be long gone by the time our pick comes around with Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter Jr., Cam Smith, uh, and Ricks. I think Keely Ringo is the first one that I think becomes an option. He's a physical Marvel who has such a penchant for playmaking, but is in need of some seasoning. That's worth a two to me. I'm a big fan of his game. We'll see what he does as a pro. Maryland's Deontay Banks is also nice. Big, played a lot of zone uh, press zone in college. He moves well for that makeup as well in terms of the length and physicality. Then TCU's Traverius Hodges Tomlinson is just a play waiting to happen. 4-3 speed, smooth transitions, all of that. Let's go ahead and take our first break here, long podcast, come back on the other side and do the safety position and the championship round picks. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Segment number two on part number three of off-season number four for your boy here on the Drive Time Podcast. I'm one month away from my three-year anniversary on the job, heading into year number four, and this is the most excited I've been, I think. Last year I was excited, but I think that the improvements you're going to see on top of the excitement we had last year has me fired up for the 2023 season, and we pick it up here reviewing the roster, how to improve it going into this off-season with the safety group. Javon Holland is the first player on the list in order of jersey number, number eight. He played 746 coverage snaps and allowed 303 yards, but again, that number, it doesn't really tell you a lot because he's primarily playing middle of the field safety, and there are games where he gets no action back there in the passing game. Miami's deep passing defense, though, was very good, and I think Javon Holland is the reason for that. Pass rush production, he had nine pressures, one hit, and one sack. His ball production, or one and a half sacks, I'm sorry. Ball production, two picks, one forced fumble, no recoveries, seven passes defensed, and 17 run stops. Uh, to me, the biggest crime of this defense this year was limiting Javon Holland's playmaking opportunities. Of course, the picks, the two in the regular season, three in the in the postseason, um, the big hits, the ability to kind of come from that cloud support and run defense, blitzing off the edge, just wasn't there as much this year. I think that that really hampered his ability to make game-changing plays, and I hope we get to see more of that next year. I still believe that he is as good, or, or can be, I should say, as good as somebody like Ed Reed. Uh, number 21, Eric Rowe, 420 coverage snaps, 579 yards. He's not the tight end eraser he used to be, but he still is a very valuable player. I love him in that third safety role, playing 50% of the snaps. Uh, five pressures, two hits, and two sacks. 
had two uh, forced fumbles and two passes defense and 23 run stops. Just so much respect for Eric Rowe and how he overmade his game in the position change a couple years ago. And I just think he's a good, good football player. Would love to have him back. Number 22, Elijah Campbell, uh, 55 coverage snaps, 47 yards allowed, two pressures, one hit, no sacks, had a pass defense and three run stops. I, I like his game. He's very, very good on special teams. I think he's a great dime or even, you know, half dollar defender come onto the field with six or seven defensive backs and kind of be a sure tackler guy that can cover, you know, tight ends or even spy the quarterback like we saw against Josh Allen in that playoff game. Big fan of his game and I want to see more of him hopefully going forward. Number 29, Brandon Jones, 199 coverage snaps, 187 yards allowed. Five pressures, two hits, two sacks. That forced fumble did turn to a touchdown, by the way. Uh, the, the one ball production he had, three passes defensed and 14 run stops. Talked about him at length, his timing, understanding of how to uh, you know motion away from his his side of the field to make him weak, which puts him as a, as a blitzer conversion, and he can get in there and make plays um, because of the way he times up the snap count so well. Number 32, Verone McKinley, 198 coverage snaps, seven yards allowed. You didn't throw at him because he was 20 yards off the football. Two pressures, one hit. Uh, had an interception and a pass defense and no run stops. He's a nice depth piece. Number 42, Clayton Fedulum, uh, 23 coverage snaps, 109 yards allowed, no production otherwise. Free agents at this position. I'm sure you guys have seen the links to Jordan Poyer. Uh, he wants to get paid by Buffalo, but I also have seen the the tea leaves, so to speak, from himself talking about it, liking tweets on Twitter and his girlfriend as well. He's a Miami kid. He's talked about his connection here. If the Dolphins want to go in that route, 32-year-old safety, you know, if they can make that happen, that would be far and away the best one, two, three safety punch in football. But Travis, how do you get all those guys on the field? Easy, it's your big nickel package. You remove your slot corner and you use that third safety instead, which would give you, you know, X, Cater, Holland, Jones, and Poyer if you were to go that route. We ran plenty of that over the years. Think about Minka Fitzpatrick in his rookie year and also help mitigate some of the potential warts you would have at corner. And it makes you stronger against the run as well, in my opinion. Jesse Bates has been one of my favorite players since his draft year. Best range and playmaking free safety in football for my money but he's too expensive. Von Bell is the opposite type of player. Just as good, probably also too expensive and probably redundant to Brandon Jones. Jimmy Ward is a superb player who knows the head coach well. Devin McCourty would love to have him down here in any capacity if he wanted to do that. Maybe someone like Deron Harmon as a third safety with his special teams ability. I like Dane Kruikshank in the same way. Uh, Juan Thornhill's a free agent. Nasir Adderley is a good looking player as well. And if you want to get me totally jacked, Drop the hammer on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I've never been a bigger fan of a player than his in the draft. Wanted Miami to take him at number 18 a few years back. He wound up going in the third round. He's a Pro Bowl player, one of the biggest ball hawks in football, and the best trash talker as well. But no way Philadelphia lets him leave. He is a great player. But does that mean that James Bradbury shakes free? Who knows? Two names per tier. Poyer and Gardner-Johnson far, far and away. Jimmy Ward and Devin McCourty are the mid-tier options, and my bargain buys would be Deron Harmon and Dane Kruikshank. In the draft, you start getting into possible options near the top of the list because not many of these guys will go in round one. Do you want to spend your top capital on a position that has Javon and Brandon in years three or four? Not me. Uh, I like Penn State's Jair Brown. Ten picks last two years and plays all over the formation. Full transparency, haven't done much work on the safety class because I don't think it'll be a high priority for Miami in the draft this year, but I don't, you know, I don't think you'll see him in business till like day three at best here. So let's go ahead and pivot mid segment here to championship weekend. I wanted to make my championship round picks here first, but to revisit one of my favorite roster building tenants, frankly, ever 
Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter, former scout in the NFL, current NFL draft uh, lead analyst on NFL Network, once upon a time tweeted that his personal foundation of a championship roster was this. Quality quarterback, three offensive playmakers, three quality offensive line, two quality pass rushers, and three defensive playmakers. And that got me thinking, where does Miami stack up in this exercise? Where does the four teams playing this weekend stack up? I think you need to be able to to define what each of those are. And for Miami, there's one spot that is vacant to me, and that's the third playmaker on the offense. And the reason they aren't checking the box in each of these categories is because that third playmaker, to me, would be a free agent. Raheem Mostert went over 100,000, or 100,000, 1,000 yards from scrimmage this year. That's pretty on the verge of being a playmaker to me, but as we do here on the pod, numbers corroborate the tape, right? And the tape tells me Raheem is a playmaker because while sometimes I change my philosophies about the game as I learn and develop a deeper understanding of it, one thing I've been pretty consistent in is my personal preference that a running back is someone who can score the football when it's blocked well, and by score... I mean, find the end zone or run for 68 yards on one play. And frankly, with all the broken tackles on the 68-yard run Raheem had, that was more about Raheem than it was blocking. But you get what I'm saying. He's explosive, and that translates to the passing game too. But since we are evaluating 2022 rosters, we'll go ahead and count Raheem. So for the Dolphins, Tua, Tyreek, Jalen, and Raheem, you you feel good about the top two, obviously. The third, I'll leave it up into interpretation. He makes my list here. On the offensive line, Teron, Connor, and Rob. You want to argue about that? Go talk to a wall. Jalen and Chubb as the pass rushers. I would give you more than that as well. And then playmakers are Xavier Howard, Javon Hall, and Brandon Jones. We talked about their ball production. So Miami is kind of spilling over on the side of the glass here in this exercise. I'm just, you know, I'm sure I would call... I wouldn't call Christian or Zach pass rushers or playmakers because to me those mean sacks and ball production, but that's a rare thing to get in general, much less so on the interior defensive line. Uh, But there's got to be a category for a player like Christian and Zach's caliber because those dudes are fantastic, but they don't quite fit the mold here. Emmanuel Ogba is also a really good pass rusher. I would say quality. So is Melvin Ingram. I tend to think Cater Kohu could be trending towards playmaker. Uh, the way he makes plays against the run and finds the football. I also like the irons we have in the fire on the offensive line. Three guys really prove to be near the top of the respective position groups, but we have a lot of developing parts that could prove to go beyond three very, very soon. So I want to do this originally. Then as I go through it, I think it's a good way to quantify where the Dolphins roster presently is. Let's look at the teams playing this weekend. For the Chiefs, Mahomes, obviously. Kelsey, playmaker. The next player in terms of yards from scrimmage is Isaiah Pacheco with 960, then Juju Smith-Schuster at 933. I wouldn't call those guys playmakers. Uh, Humphrey Smith-Tooney and Orlando Brown Jr. gives them four quality O-line. In terms of the pass rushers, you have Jones, Clark, and then Carl Loftus came into his own as a rookie. Playmakers, Legereus Sneed I would put up there because of the run-stop production, but also... Justin Reed, sort of. They're not. They're probably the least of the four teams here. The Bengals, Joe Burrow, obviously, but then the playmakers, Chase, Higgins, and Mixon is, yeah, guaranteed, plus Tyler Boyd, but he only had 763 yards this year, his first non-1,000 yards from scrimmage season as a pro. A lot of the love has to go around the rest of the room there. Their offensive line, though, I mean... Jonah Williams, I would say is. Alex Kappa, I would say is. I think Jackson Carmen can be. I think Lyle Collins can be, but they're not quite there yet. So they don't have the full complement either. Pass rushers, they have that with Hendrickson and Hubbard. I, I know you're probably saying Hubbard's not there yet, but to me, he's a really impact player. And then in the secondary, they're loaded, or the, the playmakers on defense 
Bell, Bates, Hilton, and Pratt are all really good ball uh, ball players and playmakers. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts, obviously. Uh, Brown, Smith, and Sanders in terms of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders for the playmaker role. And then they just get ridiculous from here. Offensive line, I've got four with Johnson, Mileta, uh, Kelsey, and Dickerson. Uh, the pass rush, it's even more crazy. Reddick, Hargrave, Sweat, Graham, and Cox. Four guys have 10 or more sacks there. Fletcher Cox is the only one that doesn't. He's a stud. And then playmakers, Reddick gets here again because five force fumbles and 16 sacks as a playmaker. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay, Avante Maddox. It's a great, they're going to win the Super Bowl, man. They're a great team. The 49ers, I would say nobody at quarterback. Garoppolo is quality, but he's not playing. I, Purdy, I, I don't, we'll see, man. We'll see about Brock Purdy. Uh, playmakers, I mean, you got Debo Samuel, Pretty pretty good. Christian McCaffrey, pretty good. George Kittle, pretty good. I think Brandon Ayuk is in that category as well. Along the offensive line, uh, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey's a free agent, by the way, this year. Uh, pass rushers, Nick Bosa, Arik Armstead. I mean, do you put Fred Warner in that category? I would put Fred Warner, my defensive playmaker, along with Jimmy Ward and Dre Greenlaw and Nick Bosa and that entire damn defense. So those guys are loaded there as well. But the quarterback position is the one they're not really like all the way there yet. These might be the four best teams in the NFL, which makes for a fun slate of games. I think this will be the weekend we get the classic games. It's usually divisional round weekend, but I think it's coming here. Eight and two picks in the playoffs, three and one last round, but my Super Bowl pick is out. I'm pivoting to the Eagles to not just get there now, but to win the whole thing, which means I'm taking Philly over San Francisco. I don't know who I have in the AFC. It's a toss up to me because of Mahomes' ankle. I would take the Chiefs if he was healthy because I just think they're on a, a, a you know they're on a mission this year. Uh, what a game it's going to be! I think the Chiefs are going to be so hungry for the, you know the number Super Bowl number two with now five straight AFC Championship games. And if Andy Reid loses this, he'll have the most home losses in AFC Championship games ever, which is a weird stat, um, but it, cool at the same time. On top of the fact that they're trying to avenge the loss last year and three straight games to the Bengals. But Cincinnati has to be just as hungry thinking we want to get back to the big game and win it this year. What a fun weekend. Give me Eagles. Give me Chiefs. Last break right here. We'll do top 10 takeaways. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. Top 10 takeaways 2022 season. Let's go ahead and start here in Chicago on special teams when Jalen Phillips got through and blocked a punt and Andrew Van Ginkle scooped it up and scored it going the other direction. Cedric Wilson, the return man. Good stop. <laughs> Trenton Gill, and it's blocked. Blocked it. Dolphins got it. They pick it up. Touchdown Miami. Van Ginkle. Van Ginkle scores the touchdown. The first block of the season Phillips Jalen Phillips with that big long body got through Joe with that big long body and the Dolphins put a touchdown on the board on special teams thanks to Jalen Phillips who made plays all year long and Andrew Van Ginkle his second touchdown as a member of the Miami Dolphins Miami needed every point they got in that game seven points there and a three-point victory over the Chicago Bears for number nine we stay in the NFC North back down here in Miami as Cater Kohu it's his first career pick on Christmas Day. Rodgers on the roll, sets up, looks long, lets it go for Lazard. It's picked off. Cater Kohu, first career interception comes of Aaron Rodgers. You've got a tie game, third and 15 from the plus 39 on the fringe of field goal range in the second half. 
Easy to expect Green Bay to take a short throw to make the kick easier, but they try a deep over on Kohu without help, and the design was actually really good in the play. They flooded the opposite side of the formation, which pulled the safety help over, but Kohu runs step for step with Lazard, and because he has eyes back on the football, the contact between the two is perfectly legal. He elevates and goes and gets it. What a year for the rookie cornerback. Play number eight, another player who was awesome his rookie year. Followed up with a great with a great second season. Javon Holland thwarts a potential winning drive in primetime football. Najee Harris, the running back, pick it out of the shotgun. Back to fire and it's intercepted. The Dolphins get it. Uh, Holland with the interception, and that'll all but do it. The Dolphins just have to, have to hang on to the football. Holland's second interception of the year. The Dolphins' second interception tonight. And the narrator tells us that was not the end of the football game, but these third and long plays create opportunities. And this one is with Javon Holland playing at the sticks. Kenny Pickett tries to dissect the zone coverage with Jerome Baker playing the deep curl at the perimeter. And what he does see is Javon Holland playing a robber role to the same side. He steps right in front of the dig route of the receiver, then turns into a running back with a 30-plus yard run back. Play number seven, his best buddy, making another play like he has all his career long in the Bay in San Francisco. McCaffrey, the running back. Dolphins got... Nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Back to throw. Gets it off, and it's intercepted, I think. What a play. Yes, it is. X-Man with his first interception of the year. The X-Man. X had one pick the last time we played in San Francisco in 2020. He gets one here on a fourth down play, which ultimately cost Miami about 20 yards in field position, but it was a great rep. Press man, one-on-one to the boundary, fourth and four. Niners at the plus 39-yard line. First down here is field goal range, maybe more. No safety help. X notices the takeoff from that boundary side, opens the hip, hips, stabs the inside hand jam, and does more than get into phase. He gets on top of the route. Purdy gets immediate pressure from Holland on a blitz. The beauty of a player like X is you can take your help and turn it into a conversion pass rusher and speed things up. Credit Purdy for understanding you have to take a shot on fourth down, one-on-one to the X, but there is the other X on the Miami Dolphins. He's there, makes the play for the big pick. Number six, Jalen Phillips gets his own ball production up in Buffalo. First and 10 for the Bills from their own 49-yard line. Fourth quarter, Allen back to throw. They got it from the backside. The ball comes out. Dolphins have it. The Dolphins have the football. Christian Wilkins came up with a fumble. I believe it was Jalen Phillips with the sack. From behind, Jimmy never saw it. He stepped up in the pocket. Jalen Phillips came around, got another huge sack. His seventh of the year. You've heard that play already on this top 10 sacks list. Let's go ahead and go next. Another play you've already heard, the season opening strip sack and scoop and score from Brandon Jones and Melvin Ingram against the Patriots week one. Let's go to Jimmy and Joe. Devontae Parker in motion. Back to throw. Blitz coming. They got him. The ball is out. Touchdown Miami. Ingram picked it up on the bounce and walked into the end zone. He never saw it on the blind side. Went to throw the ball. Dolphins were bringing the heat. And that was the second turnover of the game. The first on the opening drive of the game from Javon Holland. Harris the running back. Mac Jones. It's like he's changing the play. Back to throw. Looking, looking. Gets it off downfield. And it's knocked away. And intercepted by Holland. Holland down the sideline. Took it in the end zone. Now cutting across field and taken down. What a nice play. The ball was tipped up into the air. And Holland, uh, Damian Howard knocked it up into the air. 
Holland gets his first interception of the year. He wanted the Devontae Parker on the that was really nice to see Xavier Howard do what he used to do to Devontae Parker every day in training camp practice in a regular season game. He just vintage X right there. Man coverage, one-on-one for all the, all the marbles. Deep shot into the end zone. Uses the physicality and length to pin Parker to the perimeter. Gives the quarterback no window to shoot for. Makes the play you'd expect from a receiver on the football. Punches it right back into danger. And because Javon Holland, as we talked about on his pick in the playoffs... Because he runs to the football, he gets over there and turns the first possession of the season into a takeaway. Next one, number three, is Eric Rowe making a play to absolutely rout the Houston Texans. A third down and 19 back at the Texans' 11-yard line. Back to throw, gets it off. He's got oh, Akins. That's going to be a touchdown. The football picked up by the Dolphins. Xavier Howard is in, walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Miami. By far my favorite hit of the season. You get interior pressure from Christian Wilkins off the snap. Forces Kyle Allen to check the football down. Cater Kohu comes in, stands up Akins, and once again run to the football. Eric Rowe arrives like a ton of bricks. The ball falls right in front of Xavier Howard, and Melvin Ingram leads the convoy into the end zone as the Dolphins celebrate a defensive touchdown and take a commanding 27 to nothing first half lead. From a game that was a blowout to a game that was tight back and forth the last one of the year, Eric Rowe once again. This time, Zach Sealer scoops it to put Miami ahead in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Singletary, the running backs. Gilliam in motion, back to throw. Allen getting blitzed, and they got it. He fumbled the football. It's out of the ground. The Dolphins are going to pick up a touchdown. Miami. Unbelievable. Jalen Phillips, touchdown. It was off a blitz from the outside. He never saw Rowe coming. Hold on. Let's see who, who wound up with this football first cross the goal line. There were two Dolphins pawing oh, yeah, at Zach it. Zach Sealer and Phillips. I'm going to remember that play for a long time because, again, no one giving the Dolphins a chance, myself included. They produced a defensive score to take a second-half lead in a playoff game. The last time you saw that? was 22 years ago, 2000, making the moment even more special. The combination of the blitz with coverage forces Allen to tuck the football, and it's impressive enough just to get that guy to the ground on your own. But as Allen is trying to wriggle free, Eric Rowe rakes at the football, gets it out, and Zach Sealer, as we talked about all year, eyes on the football, eyes on the quarterback, sees the ball jar free, goes and gets it, and rumbles in. Two parts of this play that I love, that are underrated, is Jalen Phillips, who wasn't in the end zone. I don't know what Jimmy saw there. Uh, does that thing that your big brother used to do to you, where he just sits on you and you have to sit there and wait until he's done? He lays on Josh Allen to prevent him from getting the ball. And then from there, Wilkins and Sealer landing on the ball in the end zone. And Wilkins being the big spoon on Sealer and cuddling, wrapping the legs around him like your brother would do when he wanted to piss you off. <laughs> uh, that celebration in the end zone. What a moment that was. Speaking of great moments, how about Noah Igbenogany, our top play here, sealing victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers in primetime football. Pick it out of the shotgun, back to throw, looking, looking, rolling, looking left, throws it downfield, it's intercepted by Igbenogany. Did he get his feet down? Oh They're going to say gosh. no. They're going to say no. Now it's the other receiver, the other official coming in to say, I did. He did get him. They're Tell having the conversation. Either way, Iggy just made a heck of a play. And will be, if this is an interception, it stays. One, two, he's oh, he in. Got him down. He's in. He's he in. got him down. He is in, Joe, without question. Noah Igbenogany just made his biggest play. <laughs> 
these calls, man. What a moment for Noah Igbenogany on a night where the offense is struggling to piece together drives. The defense is out there for one last stand to win the game like three or four times. Second and two from the 25 and an Andrew Van Ginkle pressure forces pick it off the spot. He could have ran, but he probably would have killed the entire clock. So he attacks the line of scrimmage. And since the Steelers have no timeouts, he can't do that. He tries to sneak one behind Noah, who's locked up in man coverage on the outside with Deontay Johnson. Igbo does a good job getting his eyes back, finds the football, catches it, taps the toes, game over. You can find this video up on the team YouTube channel. You can find it on our social channels. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You enjoy championship weekend. We'll come back with you guys next week and continue the roster review slash preview series heading into off season 2023. All that coming your way on the drive time podcast. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. Again, the YouTube channel for these top 10 videos, media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, daddy's coming home. <laughs>